Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Brother Woody's right. That's uh, that's my son's way of saying I'm going to have these guys and they're old. So instead of old, he used generals and mature, but we know what he really meant. So, uh, But you would have been proud of Pastor Steve this past week. Uh, we had the privilege of sharing a camp meeting together over in the eastern part of the state, uh, about 10 miles east of Henrietta on the top of a place called Tiger Mountain. And on Thursday night, God anointed Pastor Steve in a powerful way as he talked about switched. And he demonstrated how to do your testimony, that your father steps in and turns your life around. And then on Friday night, his part of the sermon was to talk about when fathers won't go into the fullness, what are sons to do? And so we had this wonderful opportunity of doing a sermon together from generation to generation. So I got to do first part of it, and he got to do the second, and God blessed. And we had a wonderful time together. But you would have been proud of Pastor as the Lord used him in a mighty way. Well, I'm not in that pastoral mode. I've done so much evangelism work in my life, especially preaching that it's difficult for me to switch over into pastoral mode and preach the same sermon. So I just can't, it, it's just hard for me to do that. And so I preached one in the first sermon, uh, first service. Uh, it, I, I hope they taped it, but if, if you want to hear that one, you'll have to get the tape because I feel like the Lord wants me to do something different this morning. I want to talk to you about going up the gutter, going up the gutter. I want to read to you from 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 6 through 10, the Old Testament. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem under the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, which unto David were saying, Except thou take away the blind and the lame, you shall not come in hither, thinking David cannot come in hither. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, the same as the city of David. And David said on that day, Whosoever getteth up the gutter and smiteth the Jebusites and the lame and the blind, that are hated of David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Wherefore they said, The blind and lame shall not come into the house. So David dwelt in the fort, literally the fortress, and called it the city of David. And David built around about from Milo and inward. And David went on and grew great, and the Lord of God, the Lord of, God of hosts was with him. David said, We're going to Jebus, the stronghold of the Jebusites. And whoever goes up the gutter and destroys this stronghold, they will be the chief and the captain. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4 in the New American Standard, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Listen to what he said. The weapons of our warfare, King James says, are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Our weapons are designed and empowered for the destruction of fortresses, for the pulling down of strongholds. 
Well, there are basically three distinct anointings of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit would come upon men for a distinct purpose and empower them to accomplish the will of God. First, there was that priestly anointing. You remember the story of Aaron, how that when Moses anointed him as high priest, the holy anointing oil flowed down upon his head, dripped off his beard, and the end of his garment. And he was anointed to offer up acceptable sacrifices to God. All those Old Testament sacrifices and rituals was simply the foreshadowing of the day that the Lamb of God would come and take away the sin of the world. But that priest was anointed. Literally, the word priest is pontifex. And the word pontifex means bridge builder. For the priest was the one that was anointed to stand in the presence of God for men and to stand in the presence of men for God so that he would build that bridge between God and man. He was anointed to be involved in praise and worship unto God. But there was not only that priestly anointing, there was that prophetic anointing. That was the empowerment of God's Spirit to proclaim God's Word, God's message to that generation. You remember the story of Elijah and Elisha, how that the mantle is passed. That anointing of God is passed from the old prophet to the young prophet so that the young prophet will not only have the Word of God, but the anointing of God to proclaim that message to his generation. When you get in the New Testament, it simply said John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And he began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That prophetic anointing was upon him. But there was a third anointing. Not the priestly or the prophetic, but it was the princely anointing. The anointing to be king. And the anointing of to be king was not just so that the king would fulfill a position, a prominence and prestige. But the princely anointing was for a purpose. And it was to pull down the strongholds of the enemy. It was to fight the battles for God's people. To deliver them from their enemy. To deliver them from bondage. Remember in the book of Judges? How the Spirit of the Lord would come upon Gideon. It literally said the Holy Spirit picked Gideon up and buttoned him around God's power like a man would put on a coat. The Spirit of the Lord would come upon Samson and he would take that jawbone of the donkey and rout the Philistines. The Spirit of the Lord was upon David, anointing him to be king so that he could go to Jebus and tear down the fortress and the stronghold of the Jebusites and turn that city to Jerusalem. That princely anointing was to deliver the people of God and to pull down the strongholds and the fortresses of the devil. Now what was simply a shadow in the Old Testament became a reality and substance in the New Testament. And you see it in the life of Jesus. For the Bible said that he was anointed of the Holy Spirit at the Jordan without measure. And immediately that prophetic anointing is upon him. For when he leaves the Jordan, he comes forth in the power of the Spirit and he begins to preach, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. They even thought John the Baptist had been raised from the dead. He preaches to them the precepts of the kingdom. He proclaims under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through, he's the prophet. But he's also anointed to be priest. And he offers up the sacrifice of himself, the spotless lamb. The Son of God without spot or blemish or any such thing. He lays his life down for our sins, but he picks it up again. He's the priest. 
But he's not only the prophet and the priest. He is the prince. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And he is anointed of the Father for a purpose, to destroy the stronghold of the devil. And what was that stronghold? Death. And so the Bible said, through death, he destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Jesus alone has the keys to death and to hell. Oh, and then he transfers that anointing to his disciples, didn't he? He says, I want you to go to Jerusalem and tarry there until you be endued with power from on high. For you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might. You will receive the executive authority of God to execute the purpose of God. You will receive the power of the Lord and you will be witnesses unto me. You know what he said? It's necessary for you that I go away. If I don't go away, the comforter will not come. But if I go, I'll pray the Father. And he'll send you the spirit of truth that shall abide with you forever. My Father and I, we will come and make our abode in you. You will be the temple of the Holy Ghost, whose temple you are. You're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. And you're built up a habitation of the Lord by his spirit. The kingdom of God is not up there, out there, over there. The kingdom of God is within you. And so he transfers to those disciples that same Spirit's anointing. And what happened? They became immediately priests. They were constantly praising and worshiping God. Read Acts. They were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. They were prophets. They went everywhere witnessing, preaching the word, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. And they were princely because they delivered the people. 3,000 are saved. 5,000 are saved. The lame walk, the blind see, the dead are raised. The Bible said wherever they went, their shadow brought healing. Handkerchiefs and aprons went out from their body, and people were delivered and set free. They cast out devils, and they reclaimed territory for God. That was their purpose. But he not only gave that anointing to the disciples, he gave it to you. Your spirit filled. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The kingdom of God is within you. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. Oh, man. Uh, you know what he said? Greater is he that is within you than he that is within this world. The anointing will cause the yoke to be destroyed. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke of the Assyrian and the rod of the oppressor will be broken because the Holy Spirit is in you. And he's given us that same anointing. He's made that same promise to you. It shall come to pass, saith God, that in the last days I will release my spirit upon all flesh. Hallelujah. You know what he said? On sons and daughters. We got any sons and daughters, honey? Unto you is the promise. And to your children and those that are far off and as many as the Lord thy God shall call. And not only upon your sons and daughters, but I will release it upon old men. And old men will dream dreams of what used to be. But I'll anoint young men and they'll see visions of what can be. Oh, hallelujah. And I'll pour my spirit out upon handmaidens, women. This is your day, ladies. You've been quiet long enough. It's time that you stood in the power of the Holy Spirit. I will pour my spirit upon handmaidens and upon servants, rejects. And they'll turn the world upside down. And that's exactly what he's done. And he's made us unto our God a kingdom of priests. 
And we're to offer up the sacrifice of praise continually, even the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. But he's made us prophets. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is for us to be witnesses unto him into all the world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. This is to be a global witness, and we're to witness even unto death. We're to go everywhere preaching Jesus. But he's not only given us a priestly anointing to worship, and a prophetic anointing to proclaim him. He's given us a princely anointing. He's made us a kingdom or kings. Amen. Why is the anointing of the Holy Spirit, why does he gift you with fruits and gifts? Why does he pour the power of God in your life? Because you are supposed to deliver people. Amen. Oh, you sit down on me right there. We like the prophetic and we like the priestly. But you're also anointed to be a prince. For what did he say? We are involved in spiritual warfare. We're to put on the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, our loins girded about with truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit. Why? Because though we are in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not sensual and fleshly. They're anointed of God and they're for a purpose to pull down strongholds, to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself above God and to bring every thought into captivity to Christ. You're to be up and about the pastor's business. You are the stewards of the manifold grace of God. You are the dispensers of God's grace and love and power for a purpose so that you can pull down strongholds, so that you can set people free. What did Jesus say? If you retain any man's sins, they're retained. If you release any man's sins, they're released. He said, I'm going to transfer the anointing and the power of God to you, and you'll be able to either to deliver men or to leave them in bondage. For whatever you lock on earth, I'll put all the authority of heaven behind it and I'll lock it in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, I'll put all the authority of heaven behind it and I'll loose it in heaven. Oh, hallelujah. And so he, he puts that anointing in you to bring down the strongholds of the devil. And we're supposed to be spirit-filled and up and about the master's business. Now, why don't we... Well, let me tell you why we don't do this because it's in this Old Testament story about David David has not only been anointed to be priest and prophet but he's anointed to be king he winds up being king in Hebron for seven and a half years over two tribes and now all the nation comes to him and says you're bone of bone flesh of flesh God said you would shepherd Israel God has chosen you and they take him and anoint him and make him king and he needs a capital and he looks around and he says you see that fortress over there? That's the one I want for my dwelling. <laughs> nice choice, David. Do you know where that place is? That is Jebus. That is the dwelling place of the Jebusites, the Canaanites. That is a stronghold. That is a high rocky mountain, which is a fortress, and it is impregnable. Do you know what? Jebus had never been conquered in Canaan. Joshua couldn't do it. Judah tried and failed. Benjamin finally went up and moved the Jebusites from the lower region of the city and chased them to the heights, but they never ascended to the heights. 
they just intermingled with the Canaanites. So that the Jebusites had never been conquered. They lived in a fortress. They lived on the top of a mountain. It was impregnable. In fact, you know what Jebus means? Trodden down. Trodden underfoot. It means a fortress or a stronghold. The literal translation in the Hebrew is it is a waterless hill. Amen. I'll get that. And you, and you know what the, the enemy said to David when he tried to take You can't conquer us. <laughs> they taunted him. You know what they said? We don't need to put our soldiers out there to resist you. You've got to climb this mountain. You've got to take this fortress we live in. We could put the lame and the blind on the front lines and they'd drive you away. It was a taunt. Oh, amen. You guys are looking at me. Stay with me for just a minute. And not only that, it literally was another thing. They said, you can't take us unless you destroy us all. We will fight against you to the last man, even to those that are, 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 are disabled, to those that are blind and lame. We'll fight to the last man to keep you out of here. But it also, the blind and the lame, meant that it represented their false gods. And the Bible said the blind and the lame were hated in David's soul. Didn't mean he hated blind people and lame people. He said, I hate the gods of the Canaanites. Because that's the stronghold. That's the trodden down place. That's where people's trodden underfoot. That's where they live in a fortress and a citadel and a stronghold and a prison. That's where they live without water and without life and without deliverance. And David hated the Canaanite gods. In fact, one translation says, what it really refers to is the Jebusites had two caricatures of demonic gods. They'd made one image that looked like old Isaac. And you remember what was wrong with Isaac at the end of his life? He was blind. Oh, come on, come on some of you, Old Testament, say with me now. And they'd made a caricature of him and put him on the top of the fortress. And the other caricature was of, J of Jacob. Because what was wrong with Jacob? From his encounter with God, he halted or was lame. And they put those gods on the water spout and they'd bring the water up the water spout and as that, that subterranean aqueduct would release that water and pressure, it would flow through those two false gods and they would belch out mist. And they would seem to move. And they struck terror into the hearts of their enemies. And what they said is, David, you can't get up here. This is a fortress. This is a stronghold. This is a waterless city. But we're, our gods are going to keep you out of here. But David had the princely anointing. The holy anointing of, a, of God was upon his head. As a shepherd boy, he had led his sheep around that place, and he had found something. He had found a gutter. He, he had found a water spout. You see, it's a waterless hill. Jerusalem's never had a river. They've never had a source of water. That's what made them constantly defeated in battle because you could lay siege and shut off the water supply and they were overwhelmed. And so they had dug down through the rock a channel about 14 inches wide from the east side of the Pool of Siloam all the way through the rock to the lower level and they would bring water up that spout into the city from the pool uh, uh, and from the brook of Kidron. And that's the way they got... There was a water spout. David knew where it was. It's not very big, 14 inches wide. Most of the time there was 10 inches of water in it. There'd only be enough space to kind of keep your head above the water. But David said, there is a way into the city. Somebody's got to go up the gutter. And after you struggled up that water spout, 
Then you came to another perpendicular passage that led 67 feet at an angle up to the virgin pool. And when you got there, there was a passageway that brought you up to the top of the mountain, up to the top of the fortress, and you were inside the citadel. And David says, there's anointing here. And somebody can get up the gutter. Oh, yeah. Now, the second interpretation is he's not talking about the water spout at all. But he's talking about a five-foot by five-foot shaft that came down through the rocks that was their sewerage system. And that was through that five-by-five tunnel that they dumped all of the sewage and the refuge. Amen. And the garbage and everything else unimaginable. And they would dump it down that shaft to the lower area to get it out of the city. It doesn't matter. The fact is, David said, there is a way up the gutter. And if we can go up the gutter with a princely anointing, we will be able to turn Jebus, that waterless hill, that fortress, that stronghold, where people are trodden underfoot and living halt and blind and lame in their life, and we can set them free. And Jebus will no longer be the stronghold that's trodden down and without spiritual life, but it will be Jerusalem. And you know what Jerusalem means? City of God's peace. It'll be the city of God's presence because I'll bring the Ark of the Covenant. It'll be a city of praise and worship because I'll put Levites on duty and they'll praise and worship God 24-7. It'll be a place of prayer for God said, I'll put my name there. And no matter where you travel, if you'll turn and pray toward Jerusalem, I'll listen to you. It's the place of my presence. It's the place of my promise. It's the place of my power. You just got to go up the gutter. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, are you, <laughs> you're looking at me like I'm stupid. I'm sorry, I don't preach like Steve, so you just. So what are you trying to say? Why are you filled with the Holy Spirit? I get to praise. I get to stand and proclaim and witness. Huh? But you're filled with the princely anointing. You're kings. Greater is he that is within you than he that is within this world. They that be for us are more than they that be for them. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that anointing that causes the yoke, the fortress, the citadel, the stronghold to be broken is in you. He has anointed you, not carnal weapons and fleshly weapons, but spiritual ones to pull down strongholds, to turn Jebus to Jerusalem. Haven't you looked around you? Jebuses are everywhere. In your family, with your friends, your co-workers, your classmates, out on the street, in your neighborhood. There are people that are dwelling in strongholds. They're dwelling in the stronghold of the devil. They're in the fortress. They're in the grips of the enemy. They're in jail, thank you. And they're trodden underfoot. They're worshiping strange gods. They're living in bondage. Spiritually, they are lame. They're blind. They can't see straight. They can't walk straight. Their lives are in the fortress and the grips of sin and sickness. 
And the devil taunts them and says, you're never going to get out of this. I've got you in my clutches. You're going to live without water. You're going to live without... They're, they're, they're in the jail of resentment and anger. Broken relationships, sickness and pain, suffering. And the enemy's taunting them and laughing at them and saying, you are in my clutches in this stronghold and this fortress. You're trodden under the foot of your sickness and your defeat. And you're never going to get loose. You're going to live your life without water. And you see them every day. You're, uh, church, we're like the Benjaminites. We live in the vicinity. We've just never taken the stronghold. Oh, hallelujah. Well, Brother Bob, I got news for you. I'm comfortable. Thank you. God saved me, sanctified me, baptized me. The Holy Ghost healed my body, supplies my needs. I come to church on Sunday morning at least for an hour. And I'm doing good, thank you. And all those old people out there that are in the citadel and the fortress and their lives messed up, I, I live close to them. But don't talk to me about going up to go. And until we get ready to go up the gutter, there's no way that deliverance can ever come. So my, my message is, why don't we enlist? David said, look, whoever gets up the gutter, whoever has the princely anointing and goes up the gutter and turns Jebus to Jerusalem, they're trodden down to a city of God's peace, they'll be the captain. They'll be the chief leaders. Want to enlist? Well, now wait. I know you got the princely anointing, but to go up the gutter, something has to happen. There's some cost. First of all, you have to be stripped. The shaft is 14 inches wide. It has from 8 to 10 inches of water that fills it. Now, now can you demonstrate 14 inches? What? Maybe about that much? And, and David... Jesus, King, you, you, you want me to go up? The, do you understand what you're saying? It's a shaft. It's wet. It's slippery. It's 14 inches wide. I can barely get my shoulders through it. Yeah. Because to go up to the stronghold of the devil, you have to be stripped. You know what they had to do? They had to pull off their armor. They had to pull off the things they depended upon for protection. They had to lay their shield down, their sword down. You can't take a spear up the gutter. You can't take that heavy armor up the gutter. You have to be totally stripped of everything that you've depended upon, everything that you have safety and security in. You have to be stripped down to the bare essentials. Maybe room enough for a dagger in your belt. And in order to bring down the strongholds of the devil, you have to be stripped of yourself. You have to be stripped of your self-sufficiency. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't war after the flesh. We're talking about hand-to-hand -hand combat. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It's not your abilities, your talents. It's not your personalities and your performance. It's not your possessions. It's by a spirit. And the only way you can pull down the stronghold of the enemy is to be totally stripped of yourself. 
so that you are filled with the Holy Spirit where you're dependent upon him. Jesus said when you stand before the enemy and the people don't take any thought about what you're going to say, my spirit will give it to you. Don't depend on what you normally depend on. Don't depend upon your self-sufficiency. Don't depend upon your talents and abilities because it's not by might nor by power. When he said that, he said it's not by armament and it's not by sword and it's not by charity, chariots and it's not by ingenuity and it's not by technology. If we could have done, if we could have pulled Jebus down by technology, that already been pulled down, friend. You've got enough technology there in your lap to do that. But you have to be stripped of that. Because then the sufficiency is not of us. The sufficiency is of God. And so we have to go up the gutter. We have to be totally stripped of ourself. Men are not moved by your personality. And they're not moved by your philosophy. And they're not moved by your program. And they're not moved by your, prom, uh, your, your performance. But it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the one that convinces of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And draws men unto himself. To go up the gutter, you have to be stripped. And then secondly, put that one up. To go up the gutter, you have to suffer. You want to go up the gutter? Well, now wait. We're talking about a 14-inch shaft filled with water with just enough room for you to move through it, climb on slippery rocks, and keep your head above water. And you know what's going to happen? To go up a 14-inch gutter, you're going to get scraped. You're going to get scratched. You're going to be climbing up that shaft and all of a sudden hit a piece of moss growing on that slick rock and your foot slips and all of a sudden there's a scrape all the way up your leg and blood coming down. To go up the gutter, you have to suffer. Oh, guys, you're really excited about this message, aren't you? Scraped and scratched and cut and bruised. and To bring down the strongholds of the enemy in people's life, it's going to cost you you don't believe it. I don't have a lot. You go read Paul's life. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, everything he suffered. But you know what he said at the end? I bear in my body the marks. You want to see my ordination papers? You want to see my authority to do this? Pull his robe down. See those stripes? See those cuts? See those, those scars in my back? That's my authority. I'm willing to suffer that Israel might be saved and that the strongholds of sin will collapse. But to us, it's not so much physical anymore. It's spiritual suffering. Because the enemy's there all the way taunting you. Casting insults and accusations. You, look at you. You think you can deliver anybody. Look at your past life. Who do you think you are? All of your energies, all of your efforts, this person's none the better than when you first started working with them. And before you know it, we get spiritually wounded see to go up the gutter you're not only stripped but you have to suffer and to go up the gutter you have to be soaked <laughs> you're climbing up the water spout you're in 10 inches of water you are soaked delivering others is hard work it requires sweat you know what the Bible says? When Zion travails, intercedes in prayer, then sons and daughters. It's the picture of childbirth. When Zion goes through the pain and the sweat of childbirth, 
Sons and daughters are brought into the I experienced that firsthand. See, when I, as old as I am, they wouldn't let me in the room when my wife had Steve and Stephanie. I, I had to, you know, pace the hall like I had done something, you know. And she's in there suffering. But not my daughter. My daughter birthed Jessica. I got to be in the room 24 hours in the room of watching her get sick to her stomach and sweat until sweat was flowing. Look, it, it takes suffering and sweat and being soaked to bring children into the kingdom of God, to deliver others from the stronghold and being trodden down by the enemy. And not only that, after four, it took them four hours to go up the gutter. And by that time, you're shivering. Have you ever stayed in a pool of water four hours? And now they're not only soaked, but they're shivering and shaking. And it's a fearful thing to go into the lives of others that need deliverance. But God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a strong mind. People have to be stripped. They have to be willing to suffer ridicule. They have to be soaked. And fourth thing is you have to deal with stench. Because maybe it wasn't the small gutter. Maybe it's the five foot by five foot shaft. But that's the sewer. And to get to the stronghold. You guys are looking. To deliver somebody else, you have to deal with the stench of sin. And I got news for you. Sin stinks. The effect of sin stinks. Adultery stinks. Oh, amen. Sickness stinks. Brokenness and bondage and addiction stink. Messed up life stink. Jesus was made flesh and moved into my stench, into my mess. Dealing with sin is messy. And somebody has got to be willing to climb over the human waste and the refuge and the garbage of sin so that when you come out on the other side of the gutter, you smell like sin. Prove it to you. I got friends in North Carolina where I preach, and they have hog farms. And one of my buddies said, let's go play golf. And he said, now, you need to understand that I have to come after you in my pickup. And I have about five hog barns. And it's not, that truck's not going to smell very good. And when I opened the door, it not only didn't smell very good, it knocked me about three foot back because that that truck was permeated with the stench of that hog barn. His clothes in that, he said, I don't ever wash these clothes because they just ruined the next set. And they were, they were saturated with the stench. He said, that may smell bad to you, but it smells like money to me. And in order to pull down the strongholds, you're going to get some mess on you. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> You have to crawl over resistance. You have to crawl over the human waste of sin to pull down the strong. Am I, is the Holy Spirit speaking to anybody? The, the only example I could come up with, and I haven't seen the whole thing, I just saw this one scene. Shawshank Redemption. Anybody seen that? Remember Andy Duquesne? Dufresne? And he's going to escape from the citadel in the fortress of the Shawshank prison. Remember? 
and it's on a stormy night. You're with me in the thunders and the lightning. And he goes down, and what does he do? He takes that rock, and every time the thunder, he hits that pipe. You know what it is? Sewer. And when it breaks through, the sewage goes everywhere. And he jumps in to that sewer pipe. Morgan Freeman says it like this. And Andy Dufresne crawled through 500 yards of unimaginable stench. 500 yards. Five times the length of a football field. Just shy of a half a mile. And he waded through and crawled through the stench until he got out on the other side to deliverance. Somebody has got to be willing to go up the gutter and deal with the stench of sin so that others can be set free from the fortress of the enemy because sin stinks. If you don't believe that, go read the story of the prodigal son. When he gets home, what's the first thing the dad says? Somebody put shoes on his feet. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to do. You know where he's been, dad? He's been in the hog field. He has no shoes on. He's been wading in the muck and the mire. Of the hog. And the father said, put shoes. Somebody had to wash his feet and deal with the stench. And, and, and not only that, but when Lazarus was raised from the dead, we're dead in trespasses and sins. He was dead and been entombed for four days. You know what they said about him? By this time he, that's what sin does. It kills you and it brings stench. And what's the first thing the Lord said when he was resurrected and brought back to life? Take the grave clothes. Oh, yes. Uh, unwrap him. You have to deal with stench. And then the third thing is the disciples in the upper room. Last Supper. Arguing about who's going to be the greatest. We've got to deal with some stench in the church. You know what Jesus did? He said, I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to get down to the stinky place. I'm going to deal. Somebody has got to be willing to go up the gutter if the stronghold's ever going to come down. And that means you have to deal with the messiness in people's life. And the final thing is you have to be steadfast. Be steadfast, unmovable in the faith. Always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There has to be this patience, this tenaciousness, this steadfast endurance, this, this stick to itness, this I will not quit. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffereth violent and the violent take it by force. There is a violent faith that says I'm tired of you living in a waterless hill. I'm tired of you being trodden underfoot by sin. I'm tired of you living in a place without life. I'm tired of you being lame and halt and in a bondage of the devil. I'm tired of you living in the jail of sin. And I'm going to take hold of the promise of God. And I'm not going to be shaken loose until you're set free. I won't quit. I won't stop. Be not weary in well-doing, for you shall reap in due season if you faint not. I'm going up the gutter. I may get cut and scraped and scratched. I may have to be stripped of my armor. When I get there, I don't have any weapons of myself. All I have is the power of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in my life. But the weapons of my warfare, they are not fleshly. They're of God. And they're strong enough to pull down the strongholds of the devil. And I, Because if you stopped in the gutter, what happened? Nobody else can go up. It's 14 inches. If, if you get halfway up and you say, can't make it. Too steep. 
cost is too great. I'm going to turn around. What did you just do? You clogged the gutter. The people behind you can't get past you. If you turn around, they have to go. Your failure disheartens them. If you can't make it, they can't make it. And so somebody has to stay in the gutter. Somebody has to be steadfast, climbing up those slippery rocks until you get to that perpendicular chaff, and then going up that 67-foot through rock until you're out there inside the fortress, and there's no power other than the Lord of hosts is with you, and the Jebusite century is killed, and the gates are open, and David's forces come rushing in, and the stronghold of Jebus becomes the city of God's presence, and the city of God's peace, and the city of God's power. And a dwelling place for the king. So what I want you to do today is sign up. I want you to enlist. David didn't force him. God's not going to force you. He'll let you sit on your pew. And be comfortable in your relationship. And he'll show up to bless you spiritually. You supply some of your needs. But all around you is somebody suffering. Somebody in prison. Somebody held in change in a fortress. Someone who's trodden under the foot of the devil. Someone who's sick. Someone who's suffering. Someone who's broken. Someone who's dwelling without water while you're drinking and you're anointed to praise. They're parched and they're halt and lame and blind. And David, the king, says, I gave you the anointing. I saved you. I sanctified you. I put my Holy Spirit Will you go up the gutter? Will you stay in that shaft of stench? No matter what they say or do or what the devil talks until you open the door through the power of the Spirit. And their stronghold becomes a city of God's presence and peace. Who'll go up the gutter? Father, I thank you right now for your presence. Thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, you brought us together for this moment. For our weapons are not fleshly. They're mighty through God. You've anointed us to go up the gutter, to climb the shaft. Until we're inside the stronghold. To crawl past the stench of broken lives and bondage until the doors open and the Lord of hosts sets people free their brokenness becomes healing their blindness becomes sight their sickness turns to deliverance we're not going to leave the gutter we're not going to turn back until strongholds are pulled down I ask you to do it today in Jesus' name. Stand with me right now.
first thing I need to say, there may be someone here. You're in the fortress. You're in the stronghold. You're in the bondage of sin and Satan. Blind, spiritually lame, living without spiritual life, serving strange gods, trodden underfoot, ravaged, halt, lame. You don't have to leave like you came in Jesus' name. In fact, that's where I want to stop right here while every head's bowed. If you'd say, Brother Bob, there is a Jebus in my life. There's a fortress and a stronghold and a brokenness and a lameness and a blindness, a bondage. And I've been trodden down by it for so long. And I need deliverance. I need to be set free from this stench of sin. I need to be set free from sickness. I need to be set free from the attack of say, I'm tired of living without water. And I want you to pray for me. I want you just to slip up your hand right now and say, Brother Bob, the Holy Spirit speaking to me. That's where I am. That's where I am. That's where I'm dwelling. That's where I'm living. Amen. 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 Now I'm going to ask you to do something that's different than what we normally do in the surface and in this service, and it's for a purpose. You raised your hand, but if you want to leave here, the city of God's peace and presence, filled with this power and deliverance, I'm going to ask you to step out from where you are, and I'm going to ask you to come and stand up here for just a moment so we can pray for you individually. I'm tired of living like this. And I want the fortress and the stronghold broken in my life. I want you to come and just stand right here at the front. Quickly, quickly. Holy Spirit speaking to him. I want you to come. I want you to come. Whatever that fortress is, whatever that lame, blind, bound spot is, I want you just to bring it to the Lord. Come on, quickly. The Holy Spirit speaking to you. I don't want to leave here Jebus. I don't leave here trodden underfoot. I want to leave filled with the presence of God and the peace of God. I want you to come forward a little bit further up toward the front. Would you do it? Because, come on in. That's right. That's right. Come up just a little bit. Come up. Now, they're doing automatically what I want you to do. How many of you are full of the Holy Spirit? You know the kingdom of God is within you. Well, then the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. And the reason the Lord has anointed you is to pull down strongholds, to release the gifts of the Holy Spirit through you of faith and miracle and healing. So that these strongholds will be pulled down in peace and power. The presence of God will come into their life. So if you're full of the Holy Spirit, I want you to step out right now. And I want you to bring the kingdom of God. I want you to go up the gutter with these people today. I want you to stand by them and minister to them until we come to the top of the mountain. And the doors are open and they're set free. And the victory comes into their life. I want you to obey the Holy Spirit right now. Would you do it? Come stand with somebody right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, you're, you're bringing the kingdom. The, the weapons are not carnal, but they're in you. The power of God's in you. Greater is he that is within you. And they're going to be set free and the stronghold's going to come down in the name of Jesus. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 